Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 105 of Impact Boom. My name is Rachel Stevens. I'm a contributing editor at Impact Boom, and I'm passionate about meeting and working with others who share our mutual drive for creating positive social impact. Today, we'll be speaking with Jason Hornell, who has over 30 years of professional experience in personal mobility and the bicycle industry internationally. Starting his career as a bicycle mechanic, then bicycle shop owner, he moved on to management of international teams in product development across both cycling and bike share. Delivering innovation in both product and process in the bike share and other last mile solutions, he's worked with leading manufacturers and operators. Additionally, he's consulted for local and state governments and NGOs. In 2015, Jason joined Good Cycles as CEO as the organization began to focus on developing transitional employment opportunities through innovation and disruption with bicycles in mobility space. Good Cycles uses the simple bike not only to engage and empower, but to provide unique employment pathways for young people. On today's podcast, we'll discuss Jason's experience working in the social enterprise sector and the impact being created at Good Cycles. We'll talk about the future of Australian social enterprise, and we'll look at the challenges and benefits of cross-collaboration when the mutual goal is to create positive social impact. Jason, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So to kick things off, could you share a bit about your background and how you got involved in social enterprise? Sure. I've been in bikes for most of my life. I told someone today that I made my first dollar out of bikes. I think it was over 35 years ago. Um, I started as a bike mechanic and, and sort of always had a passion with bikes. And that led me to owning bike shops and, and a range of things and through to bike share. And, and, and it's been it's been a lot of fun along the way. And, and probably about four or five years ago now, I, I got to the point where I was looking to do something a little bit different. And, and I thought, well, I wanted to get into the non-for-profit space and into the charitable space and and I'd heard about good cycles and, and a little bit about it, but I actually didn't know anything about social enterprise. So I can say four years ago, I didn't even know what the term social enterprise meant, but sort of landed in landed in good cycles, having, as I said, tried to get into charities and non-for-profits and, and it, it sometimes can be a bit tricky, but with good cycles, it seemed like a pretty strong connection. They were looking for someone who knew about bikes and I kind of knew a fair bit about bikes. So that brought me into this role. Oh, perfect. Seems like a very natural evolution for you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it certainly is. It's, a lot, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun. Oh, brilliant. So you became the CEO of Good Cycles back in 2015 now. For our listeners who might not be familiar with the work you guys are doing there, it's a bike store meets social enterprise that's using bikes to change lives through creating employment pathways for young people who might need a helping hand. Can you tell us a bit more about your journey so far with Good Cycles and how you ended up, I guess, at the helm of this social enterprise. Sure. So, so back 
um, I actually met the founders back in 2013. I was introduced to them by another social entrepreneur in Melbourne who said, hey, I know these people that are interested in doing something with bikes. And I said, well, I'll have a chat. And I met the founders and they explained that they wanted to make a business and they wanted to have mobile mechanics ride around the cities and fix people's bikes. They didn't explain social enterprise to me. And I said, well, good luck. Um, you know, it's going to be pretty tough. Um, and sort of had left it at that. And then a few years later, I, I, I was at the time uh, involved in Bike Share and the Melbourne Bike Share project here and, and a number of projects overseas and started hearing a little bit more about, about good cycles and, and, and sort of the penny dropped that it was not just about making money, but that this whole thing of using bikes for good, which, which for me was really resonated. So at that time, I, I caught up with the founders again, and, and, and it was actually a really good timing because I, I had just left my previous role with the bike share company that I've been working for, was looking again, as I said, to, to get into the, the sort of charitable sector. And the founders said, well, we, we want to take a little bit of a step back. We, we want to, we, we've got this great, great thing up and going, but, but now the, the question is, what do we do with it and what comes next? Um, so, so it was a really good, good opportunity for me to, to come in and, and, and look at the organization and, and look at what it was doing. And, and, and I guess for me, the idea of, of using a bike and having impact was something that I've been doing my whole life. And I sort of, I guess, hadn't really framed it up in that way. So yeah, so it was, it was a chance to, to come in and, and look at, look at the way the organization was running and, and see where, where we could really, really build on the impact that the founders had, had developed. Yeah, for sure. We've actually already only just scratched the surface of what Good Cycles is. Do you think you could tell us a little bit more about the work that's going on there, what you guys are doing? Because I know it's uh, I know it's very busy. I know there's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, so when we started, it was it was pretty simple. We had this idea, and the founders had the idea that if we could teach a young person or someone coming from a disadvantaged background how to fix a bike, then they could get a job as a bike mechanic. So having that skill was pretty simple. And bikes, you know the last 10 years have just grown and grown in popularity. There's more people riding and more bike shops opening up, certainly in Australia and I think around the world. So that was the simple idea. And, and out of that, what happened was they developed a program, which was which was pretty straightforward. They were taking secondhand bikes, so repurposing bikes that were destined for landfill, bringing those in, giving young people or whoever was there a couple of spanners and some tools, and then over four to six weeks, helping them to fix the bike that was in front of them. So teaching them how to maintain the bike, fix punctures, tune the bike, tighten the brakes, adjust everything. And at the end of six weeks, they walked away with a bike that was destined for landfill, and they turned that into mobility. So they got a lock, a helmet, a light, and that mobility, which was which was an amazing impact. So suddenly there was they had the ability to get around it. And that program not only was working for people coming from disadvantaged background, but we were delivering that program also to asylum seekers and refugees, anyone who actually had the need for mobility and potentially didn't have access to that. So that was that was where it sort of started, and, and that was where we sort of kept going from. And out of that, those programs had all sorts of incredible um, mental health benefits. You know, the idea of using a bike and fixing a bike became and for us is almost the same as you know you hear about therapeutic practices like music therapy pet therapy we actually ran a project which was bike therapy and we've sort of 
filmed a whole bunch of great outcomes in that. And so three or four years ago, we were running programs from a whole range of diverse backgrounds, from mental health, autism, primary school, secondary, drug and rehab. We were doing programs in prisons, and, and it was fantastic. However, back to what we were originally about, which was getting employment outcomes, we, we were sort of struggling there a little bit. So we had a really good look at what we were doing. We decided that it was the time was to focus on employment. We took a lot of the programs that we were doing and we provided those to other organizations to operate and we then turned around and focused on creating jobs and and specifically not just creating jobs, um, people ready for working in the bike industry, but saying that if we use the bike as a mechanism to engage, then hopefully we can create people that help people to become employment ready, not just with bikes, but in the broader industry. So lots of people love bikes, but not everybody wants to be a bike mechanic. So that was a big step for us, and that's where we are now. We use the bike as an engagement tool, but what we do is we get them job ready by giving them a job. We give them a pay. We pay them. They become an employee, and during that process, they get employment ready. And and at a really simple but very powerful level, we're able to give them an employment reference which for most people is, is all they need to be able to go get a job um, out in the open labor market. And that's where we help them. That's the biggest part of what we do. As a social enterprise, what we've done is we've said, well, we can do lots of things. We can run bike shops where we fix bikes and we continue to do that. We still do mobile mechanics where we ride around the city and we go to end of trip facilities and we go to corporates and we fix bikes in buildings. We run training classes uh, where we teach the general public how to fix and maintain their bike, and those all provide commercial revenue. But what else? What we also do is we um, we look at what else can happen with a bike. So we say, well, what other activities could we create commercial revenue? So one of those significant ones is we have about 160 um, car share cars that we go out to. We ride out to our cargo bikes and electric bikes, and the teams do a waterless clean and a vacuum of those on site every fortnight. So that provides incredible employment opportunities. It cuts down congestion in the city by providing what would normally be done in a van and doing that on a bike. And for us, it also creates revenue, which allows us to then deliver our purpose. Fantastic. You guys have had such a a broad experience. I'm really curious, actually, before you guys decided to focus back in on how to you know, assist people with employment opportunities, uh, how did you decide that your focus was too broad and, and how did you make that decision on what to focus in on? I think when, when we got to the point where we realised that bikes are a powerful mechanism for everyone and, and bikes touch, you know, everybody has a story about bikes, I think is the message that I always say, but on the same side, you can't be everything to everyone. And and we recognize that at some point, you know, when when you start an organization as the founders did and, and you know, they put so much energy and effort into it and, and they connected bikes with unemployment, with youth, with mental health, and everybody just went, this is fantastic. And it is, it really is. But as an organization, you have to sort of at some point go, well, okay, what do we do well? What can we make the biggest impact in? And, and we, we looked at that really hard and we thought, you know what, for us, it comes back to being able to create those employment opportunities and being able to focus ourselves as a social enterprise, meaning that we could reach sustainable commercial outcomes and not, not have to continuously seek government funding. 
And so that those two those two things together are what linked us to the fact that we said, well, we have to be very clear about what our value proposition is, and we have to be very clear about what our impact want, the impact that we want will be. That's what led us back into the to this focus of commercial outcomes, direct employment opportunities, and our broader test to using the bike as an engagement tool, but jobs out in the open market for wherever they were, wherever someone wanted to be. Yeah, I think the flow-on effects as well touch on so many of the other points you were talking about earlier, like mental health, you know, the, the impact that you can create just through creating that youth employment already helps deal with so many of those other issues. So it makes a lot of sense why that's the focus. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and you know, we, we also had to be really clear that, that we are we are commercially focused. We don't mind making money. We yeah. just want to make sure that we do good things with it. You guys have also experienced quite a bit of collaboration with other bike and socially focused organizations over the years. I'm really curious to hear about what challenges this kind of cross-pollination of groups has brought, but also what benefits you've seen as a result of this. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it was interesting coming from a background of, of private, I won't say corporate because I wasn't really ever in the corporate scene, but in coming from private, commercial Commercial collaboration is really easy because it's very easy. Are you both making money or are you both losing money? In the non-profit sector, that was a challenge initially for me to understand that a little bit more. Um, and bikes, as I said, bikes are complicated in terms of what the value proposition is. So so we've, we've been fortunate. We've had some really great collaboration in the social sector in terms of organizations that have been able to support our outcomes. We... We run very light in terms of our in terms of our program staff, so we don't have case workers or case managers. We focus on on delivery, which meant that for us it was really important to create really strong partnerships with those organisations that that do have that case management and have that ability to support all of those necessary requirements for someone to be able to get a job. So those relationships have been very strong, and we've been really really fortunate to have those both. With you know larger mental health organisations, youth organisations locally, and some of the employment agencies, so that that's been critical, and it's allowed us the flexibility to to focus on what we do well, which is create job opportunities and and build build businesses and and give people those employment without having to focus on all those other things, which can be really complicated in mental health sector and and all of those underpinnings, those social underpinnings. So those have been those have been really good. They've been challenging at times in terms of that social sector speaks a very different language to commercial sector. And that, you know, when I first joined Good Cycles and I remember saying to the chair, I said, oh, this will be easy. It'll all be nice and simple. Making money, I say jokingly sometimes, is actually quite easy. Getting people jobs and employed is really hard. Um, and so those collaborations have been really, really important. We've been fortunate that from a commercial sense, we've been able to build some really strong partnerships in you know, commercial partnerships. We have partnerships with state government. We have partnerships that expand into bike share, both in Melbourne and in the Gold Coast in Queensland with quite large transport companies, and that's been great. So, so we, it's been a bit of a balance. One of the challenges for us is that we're a bike shop that's a social enterprise, and there's been a little bit of it's, it's often been a little bit challenging to explain that to other bike shops that we're here as a commercial organization that 
we're in competition, but we're also here to try to help support employment. And, and, and that sometimes met positively, and sometimes it's just met with indifference, and sometimes it can be met fairly negatively. So you just have to be a bit pragmatic and, and make sure that you, you know you're, you're doing the right thing. I think that's still very much one of the big challenges of social enterprises is people are still really working out what that is. So I can imagine that can be tricky explaining. <laughs> yeah, I think social enterprises still try to work out what it is too. I've been fortunate, I think, to come in at a time when, whilst it's not clear, there's certainly lots of questions being asked and then that's, that's really great. Yeah, for sure. I'm curious, some of the relationships that you have spoken about that have been really foundational to you guys and to supporting the work that you're doing, it can be really hard to build those relationships, to build those connections. How do you guys go about, I suppose, making those connections and, and creating that collaboration? Open open conversations. I think one of the most important things that you recognise being, you know, we're as a social enterprise and we're also a registered charity is that we can be completely transparent. I've got nothing to hide behind and really learning to leverage that. So being able to be very upfront about that, it sometimes, it it seems counterintuitive that the best place to start is to say, hey, what can you give me for free? It actually is really powerful and not to shy away from it. So I think certainly when you're talking to commercial organizations, you know, it's creating that value proposition. We've, we've always been really careful about making sure that, that we're, we're very transparent and also that we're delivering really high quality because I think that's also really important, you know, and, and it's been it's been really good for us to be able to have those conversations openly and say, look, we understand quality is, you know, we know you want to support us, but we're definitely about quality. And, and you know, we we were fortunate uh, to be successful in a, in a proposal that gained us the operation contract for Melbourne Bike Share. So that's the system that's run here in the city of Melbourne and all the on-street. And we won that contract because we were able to assure them on the quality that we were going to deliver. The social outcome side of it was great, but certainly that quality piece was, was what, what, was what won us the contract. So it's that sort of understanding that, and we were very open about that when we communicate. And the other thing is we just talk to everyone. Just <laughs> don't, don't ever close the door. Don't ever walk away from something. And, and I, my, my wife says that I'm, I'm nagging. I say persistence. <laughs> um, and I think, I think that that's really important. You know, just communicate your message as clearly as you can to as broad an audience as you can. Yeah, for sure. So in the few years that you've been with Good Cycles, I'm sure you've seen a lot of change. I'm interested to hear how you think the social enterprise sector has transformed already in your time with Good Cycles and, and where do you think it's heading in the future? Yeah, that, that's, that's great. I think, as I said before, I'm fortunate that I've come in at a point, certainly in Australia, where there is a significant change in the way businesses as a whole are viewing their impact and what they're, you know, five years ago we, you know, we, we talked about triple bottom lines and, you know, there was a lot of rhetoric going on. Um, but actually I think now it's, it's starting to tra- translate through and we're starting to see that come through at a corporate level, certainly. So I, I'm, I think that's for me been fantastic. I, I'm lucky that I've got a network around me and a lot of the people that I'm around have been in social enterprise for 
20 years. Um, and I can see that I can see they've done the long hard yards in this space. And they're saying, yep, I can see, we can see that it started to gain traction. They can see it. I feel, I feel a bit of a bit, bit lucky. I've come in at this point where that's happening and it's happening in the corporate, um, Australia at a government level, you know, in Victoria, the Victorian government's just released their social procurement framework. And that's an all government framework in Victoria to push the government to buy from social enterprises. That, that's significant, and that is really having a knock-on effect, and I think we'll see the effect of that in the next few years, really, really raise raise the bar on, on social enterprise and, and the fact that it can, A, compete in the same places for profit, mm. and B, deliver that social impact behind that at the same time. So. As I said, I've only been I've only been in this sector for three years, but even I said in the last twelve months in Australia, definitely a really a really great appetite for for something different. Business done a bit differently, I think, is the is the way it's being viewed. Yeah, very exciting to hear. <laughs> From a policy perspective, then, what do you think needs to be done by the government to help foster and support you know such an innovative and social enterprise sector? I think, as I said, the the framework that's been developed in here in Victoria is, is, is a really great start, and we can see now that the government's, you know, wanting to make sure they're embedding that into the legislation, which is really great. I think that in Australia, I think what we're starting to see is a little bit of a formation of the intermediaries in that group. So um, social traders, who's very active now in social procurement here, where they used to do a lot broader range of social enterprise, um, sort of facilitation, and they had Crunch, which was entrepreneurial development. They're focusing down on just social procurement, um, and we're seeing other organizations fill those gaps. So Social Enterprise Network Victoria is looking to form, which will create which will create a peer group that the industry can go to for learning. I think what, what is great to see is that we're now starting to see the sector grow to a size big enough where it can manage those individual pieces of the intermediary and the framework underneath. Um, so it's really important that the government helps to continue to foster that and continue to support it, but that also that I think the social enterprise sector itself starts to look up at that. It's a sector, but it's split across industries, and that is always a challenge. So we're starting to see a little bit more clarity around those industries. I know, for example, that one of the one of the largest social enterprises here in Australia has has developed a network around those around food, and they're starting to really build that out. So, as long as the government keeps supporting it from the top, I think I think that will that will really start to trickle down. Great. So, as someone who, as you said, is only kind of fairly new to the social enterprise sector, what advice would you give? to a budding social entrepreneur who's, you know, begun working and maybe they want to grow and scale their own enterprise? <laughs> Start with your passion, I guess. Unfortunately, I've, had, I've got two passions in my life. One is bicycles and the other is music, and I've been able to do sort of most of them woven through my life so start with your passion because you really need that and if you can try to really see clearly where you want to get to i think that you've got to be able to see in your mind's eye what you want you know or at least and that may not be where you end up but at least have that be open you know i've heard people say you've got to be angry about what you do you've got to be angry about a cause and i think yeah it's good to be angry but but to be honest with you, you you've got to know that that it's passionate and that you love what you want because that's going to get you certainly a lot farther than just trying to change something. 
that's for me. I'm, I'm a person who tries to figure out how to buy the bus. It's just as arguable to sit there and go, well, how do I stand in front of the bus with a big sign and get it to stop? So, so both of those are valid. If you've got a business background, definitely lean on it. You know, if you know, don't forget those things because, because that's what's going to get you, that's what's going to get you, you know, to the point where you can start having choices about what you do. And that's, that's what it's all about. Don't be afraid to make money and, and, and find ways of, of socializing your idea. For me, I talk about it. I have to talk things through and I will find whoever and whenever and will listen to me so that I can talk through ideas that I have. And that, that works for me if you need to write them down or whatever it is, different for different people, but, but make sure that you have that, that network around you because, because you'll, you'll have to, you'll, you'll be frustrated, you'll be angry, you'll meet all sorts of walls, but, but make sure that you, you know, don't forget, keep, keep it in the middle of your heart and, and, and have a good network around you. Yeah, brilliant. I'm sure there's something there everyone can pull from. Are there any other inspiring projects or initiatives that, you know, you've come across which are creating some interesting social change or social impact? I'm currently quite fascinated with, and I'm I'm the first to admit I'm not an expert in this at all, but platform cooperativism and what that what that will how that will lend itself to economic uh, sort of change. I have a joke with a with a someone who I can't mention because I'm not allowed to. I want to figure out how to decouple capitalism from the free market. And we have a we have a running joke about that. Because she said I couldn't I couldn't let you study it, but but it sounds interesting. I think for me, I've seen I've seen so many things in the last three years, and, and at all different levels, I've seen people who you know want to create a product that they can take to the world that that allows them to you know scale and and grow and you know something that can be duplicated globally and create amazing impact and i've seen things that are just so simple that just help the people right in their neighborhood you know and and i think that that on both sides it's just amazing i I see if someone's passionate about something and i've seen things where you know it's just as simple as getting knowing that they want to change you know there's a there's an organization here called dr cranky and he's been going now for probably five or six years and it's really simple. He goes into primary schools and he figures out how to get the bicycles, the secondhand bikes that are in those primary schools to be repurposed and reused in the primary school. And he gets them up and going and the parents run them. And it's so simple and it, it works so well. And, you know, he's now got those in, I think, 10 primary schools across across Australia. But it's such a simple little thing, but it has so much power to it. So those are, those are really cool. I really like those things. Big tickets, I guess, that you, that you see out in the market are great too. But it's those little things that that really, I think, are are very personal and they're they're really meaningful. Yeah, the accumulation of lots of small impacts can be really really satisfying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And to finish off, what are the top three books you'd recommend for our listeners? Hmm. So I have just read a book called Reinventing Organizations by Frederick. Laurel, which which I I'm fascinated with, which is sort of similar to the holacracy approach of organizations and and shifting that shifting organizations to be able to be self managed. I think it's worth a read for anyone anyone who's who's looking at an organization. It's got a lot of really interesting stuff in it. If I didn't mention Jonathan Livingston Seagull, my father would be um, would be a borrower to me. It's a book that if you 
haven't read it or you've never heard of it, it's a 15 minute read, but, but it's, it's um, certainly, th- those are probably the two that stand out to me. Yeah. Brilliant. All right. We'll have to check them out then, especially the 15 minute read. That sounds nice and easy. I like it. <laughs> yep. Jason, thank you yeah. so much for your time today. Really enjoyed our chat. It was great. No, thank you very much for the opportunity. It's been great. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter. Thank you.